Welcome to RiskWise, a show about money for Muslims, where you'll learn how to make smarter financial decisions without selling your soul. For the full experience, join us at no cost at riskwise.com. Assalamu alaikum and welcome back, Risk Nation. I am your host, Ahmed Banawar, joined by Saeed Ali, the defender of common sense. Saeed, how are things today? Assalamu alaikum. Very good. Um, I'm liking this. Um, we're getting some good feedback on this section that we're doing, this mini series on minimalism, alhamdulillah. And uh, today, do you want to do a recap of the last couple episodes? Today, you are going to make going to the mall a thing of the past, aren't you? <laughs> so, you know, we, we've been talking about minimalism and, you know, the benefits of it in, in the sunnah and also, you know, in our world, in our worldly life. I kind of want to look at the consumer culture that we have, which we undeniably were a part of, we were bombarded with advertising and marketing all day, every day. Uh, so much of the stuff that we get every day or see every day is funded by advertising, if you're ever online or ever watch TV. Um, so in the life cycle of consumption, the idea, like I, we, this episode, we're going to talk about the beginning. The first thing that has to happen in order for you to participate in the consumer culture, which is to buy stuff. And not just buying stuff that you need, but shopping. I kind of want to pick on that concept of shopping because when you really think about it, shopping is really weird. Mm. It's new. It's like a pastime. It's, you know, shopaholicism. I don't know if that's actually a diagnosis medically for for a mental disorder of having an addiction to shopping. Um, But shopping as a a form of therapy, people say – you, you go out and buy stuff to make yourself feel better. Shopping is a really big part of our culture. But if you actually like take a step back and think about that word and what you're doing when you go shopping, it's really weird. So, and we're talking about shopping as a pastime. Yeah. Right? Shopping as a, as a hobby, as something that you go to do for the, as an end in and of itself, right? That you go to shop to buy things without knowing what it is that you're going to buy in advance. Exactly. So this is different than, for example, grocery shopping where you just you got to buy food for the family for the week and you've got to go out and buy it. That's different, right? That, that you, That's something that you need for survival. Shopping when you go to the mall. Well, for some people, that can be a pastime too. <laughs> like if you find yourself, you go to the grocery store, but you're wandering through the aisles looking at stuff to buy, then that's kind of a pastime. But right. yeah, I see what you mean. I mean, buying food is not the same as going to the mall and just like, you know, going in and out of stores. Yeah, so the mall, you're right. I'm going to kind of make pick on going to the mall because it's a very good example of what what we're talking about here. That when we go to the mall and we don't necessarily know what we want, but we just kind of wander through and we see a store that we we like and we just go in to to see what they have, you know, the mannequins. The whole point, I mean, when you analyze what these stores are doing, you realize how much you're being manipulated, right? There are mannequins in the, you know, if, you're, if, you're, if it's a clothing store in the mall, for example, there are mannequins on the front window who are dressed with the latest fashion that they're selling right then and there in that store. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to communicate to you visually first that what we have looks good. Come and check it out. And then as you approach the store, there's a couple other stimulus. So they got you visually. And a lot of stores now what they've started doing is spraying the cologne uh, that they sell in that store. Mm. So that it smells nice as you walk in. It doesn't smell like cloth, like unwashed cloth. Have you ever smelled unwashed cloth 
it's not a very very good smell. It smells like chemicals, really. Why you should always wash stuff that you before you wear them? Well, the, the smell that I have a really strong aversion to is I don't know if you know this, but I used to work at Old Navy back in high oh, school. Oh, okay. And I didn't know that. And just the 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 smell from that from those hangers. Yeah. That like the smell of the metal, especially from the hangers. Like it would after you know hanging up you know hundreds of clothes in a day. And sorting, you know, dealing with those hangers and touching them, like I had like this really, really strong smell of the metal from those hangers on my hands. On your hands. And every yeah. single time I walk into an Old Navy, which is not often anymore, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just like that smell hits me. I have a really, really strong aversion to it. Yeah. And that the smell of cloth like that's unwashed and, you know, just recently manufactured is, is not nice either. So they cover it up with cologne, but it's also enticing. So it's supposed to not just cover up bad smell, but also smell good so that, you know, they've got you. They're attracting you by your sense of smell and your sense of vision. And also, you know, how many stores now blare loud music, uh, you know, pop music, music of the day, music that they think they're. Um, demographic listens to it's right? the worst so, that's so annoying yeah like it could be pop it could be hip-hop it could be you know whatever uh, kind of music that they think their demographic whoever comes in their stores what are people of that age group of that socioeconomic status what are they listening to let's blare that so that they've got you by your ears too mm. right they're trying to uh, attract they're trying to put out these things to attract you into the store and you weren't necessarily planning on being there Right. They're trying to attract you there. If you actually said, hey, I need a pair of jeans from XYZ store, you would get up, go to the mall, go to XYZ store, grab a pair of jeans and come home. Right. They wouldn't need to do all these things. They wouldn't be doing all these things to try and attract you. They're trying to make you buy something that you otherwise had no intention of, of buying so that, you know, this shopping ends up in, in extreme consumerism. You know, when we talk about this idea of shopping, it's interesting to think about how and we talked about this last episode as well, even 50, 60 years ago, like really not that long ago, like last, probably your parents' generation and definitely the generation before that, this idea of shopping as a pastime was not even, you know, like it wasn't even an idea that they that they understood. It wasn't something no. that they did. Like when they went to buy something, it was because we're out of milk or we're out of rice or we're out of whatever, right? And or my shoes go, have a hole in them. That's oh, yeah, I have to go to a shoe repair person and those people existed, right? Like luggage Cop repair, cobblers. bag repair, whatever, right? Cobblers. Mm -hmm. right? So when they needed something, then they would go out and they would acquire that thing and they'd go to the specific place where they could get that thing. Right. They didn't go to a mall or rarely would, and they only went to a market when there was a market of like, you know, like a food market or a fruit market. And they knew that, that the thing that they needed was in that space. But the idea of just going out to buy stuff for the sake of buying things was a foreign concept. And I think in our times, a really interesting case study that we could look at is China. Yes. I was just going to say that, like the example you brought up is over generations, like two, one, two, three generations shopping has emerged in society in, our, you know, in the West, definitely. But in China, it's like within the last 10, 15 years. It's happening right now. Like we're seeing that change in a really condensed time frame and the impact of it. Yeah. And it's incredible what's happening there because. It's not just that people have more money and therefore they desire to go shopping. It actually that's not necessarily true because because prosperity or economic prosperity at least has happened so rapidly in China where they've gone, you know, from within the last 15 20 years from being oh maybe longer than that. Um they've gone from being um you know many many years behind the West technologically and economically. They've caught up 
very, very, very fast. People have gone from, you know, living a farmer's lifestyle. I mean, planting and plowing with oxen and, you know, living out in a, a, a straw hut, basically out way out in the rural area to like the same person going from that to living in a condo in the city, working in a factory yeah. and having extra money, not just planting food for them to eat. Right. Farmers used to plant food and share amongst themselves. And, you know, it was food for survival, really, not just for economic prosperity. But now that same person. So now they have they're living in a city, living in a condo. They're making money, but they remember. Right. Because it's still within their generation. They remember the times when they had nothing and they didn't have money and they didn't. You know, it was it was tough times. And the savings rate as a result, Chinese saving rate is very, very high. People literally just sock away cash and hold on to it because they remember it, it, it happened in their lifetime when they didn't have much. So going out to frivolously spend is not part of their, their, their culture. Like it's not something that they innately wanted to do because they aren't so certain that this huge rise and rapid increase in economic prosperity is here to stay because it was so fast and they're just not so sure of it. Right. Yeah. So then what you then have is the Chinese government who is trying to shift their entire country's economy from being a country that builds stuff or makes stuff and exports it to the world, right? It's being an export-led economy. They're trying to change that economy into an internal consumption economy, meaning that people who are working in the factories in China, they're not just making stuff to ship to the U.S. and Europe. They're also making stuff that people in China also want to buy. And when you look at the share of purchasing, how much of the stuff that people in China are making are being bought by people outside of China and how much of the stuff is being bought by people inside of China. They're trying to make the in people the stuff that's being bought inside of China go up and the stuff that's being bought by people outside of China not necessarily go down, but less important. So they did what any economically responsible government would do. So how they're doing it is they're saying, okay, we know we have a lot more economic prosperity. We know there's a lot more Chinese people with money. We know they have it stashed under their, their, their mattress or whatever. We need to convince them to use it. So they've actually set up multiple different national quote unquote holidays to promote Spending. That's where I was going with that. <laughs> they, yeah. in, they invented a holiday. Sound familiar? Anyone? <laughs> <laughs> How many invented holidays do we have for spending? I think more Pretty than much what? all invented, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they have this thing called Singles Day. Um, so if you're single, go out and buy stuff for yourself. Because that'll Cause make it, up for the hole in your life, the, <laughs> the lack of companionship. <laughs> well, implicitly, that's what happens with marketing here. Right. Mm. There was that quote I think I mentioned before from a marketer who said that happy people don't buy stuff. Right. Mm. They're trying to make you feel un, uh, unwhole, that there's something wrong with you, something missing in your life. That's yeah. the whole point. Unsatisfied. Yeah. Yeah. And because if you're actually happy and satisfied and content, you're not going to buy anything else. So they're trying to, to convince you against that. So, yeah, I think that's an incredible example because it's happening here and now and people who are who are who they who the government is trying to convince to buy stuff they're kind of iffy about it because they remember the times when they were not well off at all living you know in, in a very rural very rural 
um, farmer's lifestyle without anything above the necessities, like literally just food and enough clothing to like work in. And like everything was done manually. So and they're let, not so convinced. That let, they let, let's benefit. quantify this for people. Uh, on Singles Day in 2014, I believe, Chinese shoppers spent more than $9 billion. In one day. How much money is $9 billion? Like, how do we make that real for people? $9 billion. Oh, man, you got to put me on the spot with that one. Um, like, how much money would it cost to end global poverty? Oh, man, I don't know that. Like, that's not a statistic I would know off the top of my head. I mean, less than that, I think. No, 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 no. I don't think so. Really? $9 billion? I'm not good with numbers, which is funny. <laughs> As an accountant. That was a personal finance show. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how, really how to quantify that, but $9 billion for... You know, one day of shopping just for people to buy for themselves, and that—that that is, like, the conditioning that's trying to be ha- to, to happen here is that to make it okay for you to buy stuff for yourself, just buy something. You didn't need it. It's not food. It's not clothing because something ripped. It's just stuff. The the government is trying to condition people to be okay with materialism and consumption and just buying for the sake of buying something, which is incredible. Well, incredible. I think, I think the thing to really reflect on there is because I mean, you know, we tend to learn lessons more when we externalize them and look at how other people screwed up <laughs> than to think about ourselves. <laughs> so just think about that. I mean, un- unless you're one of those people in China that spent on Singles Day, those people, if the government had not invented a holiday and they weren't marketed to to spend money on this holiday, they would not have spent nine billion dollars. Yeah. That's money that was just out of thin air spent mm-hmm. on a fictitious holiday that somebody just made up in some you know bureaucratic boardroom. Somebody said, hey, why don't we do this thing called Singles Day and get people to spend money? And then $9 billion later, they did it. Yeah, exactly. And how many do we have here, right? If we go down from the top of the calendar, you have, sorry, but Valentine's Day, Father's Day, Mother's Day. You know, purely consumption. No, but I mean, Father's Day is an important holiday. <laughs> <laughs> purely consumptive holidays, right? Literally created by corporations to sell stuff. Like that, there's no other reason for it to exist. It, exi- it exists. To well, it's also really good fodder for drama chutbas. Every day is Mother's Day. Every day is Father's Day. <laughs> Every Friday is Good Friday. Come on, we love that stuff, right? Every time, man. Every time. That I don't know why that doesn't get old. That really needs to get old. <laughs> it really does. But yeah, so shopping is, and, and this is what we're trying to pick on, really think about the idea of shopping. The idea that you're buying something that you don't need and that you didn't know existed until you saw it. And, and the trigger for your shopping could be a lot of different things. Like whatever it is that triggers you to buy something you didn't need and that you didn't know existed until you saw it could be different for you than it is for me. Mm. Like I know my brother-in-law, he's, he is an amazing shopper, which is funny for me to say this right now, but he'll only buy stuff when it's super duper on sale. But which means that he follows flyers, he has the apps, you know, he looks at things and makes sure that they're the greatest deal and that's amazing. But what we kind of like joke around with him is – yeah, you bought this for cheap, but if you didn't see it for cheap, would you have bought it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and what triggers people to buy is different things. So it could be, um, you know, Amazon. If you buy one thing from Amazon, like get ready for your inbox to be flooded. Like they will, they will bombard you 
two or three times a day with like different things that you should be buying or things that are on sale unless you don't subscribe. So it could be emails that you're getting from the stores. I know these days, if you I feel like we're going to get sued one day by Amazon because we, we bring them up in every, every example of how, you know, not to go about shopping and anti-consumerism. Yeah. It's always Amazon. I know. Like right? One day we're going to get a letter to please cease and desist. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let me pick on everybody else then. Because so they, so they all sue us. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't pick on everybody else. Nah, it's okay. Go. Well, they're not listening. Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. So like every every store that exists out there right now online is trying to get entice you to put in your email into their um, database so that they can email you, right? And they're going to entice you by saying sign up to our email list for you know being an insider in finding out the new things that we're developing. Um, you know, so you get the you get the fashion first before all your friends um, sign up because we're going to send you discount coupons and who doesn't love a deal, right? So sign up right now and we'll give you ten percent off your next purchase or something like that, or you know you get emailed coupons regularly in your inbox. Why do they do that? Why are they giving you coupons, Ahmed? I think you can answer this perfectly. Um, I don't know what you're looking for. Is it really obvious? <laughs> Is yeah, obvious answer. trigger, right? It's a trigger. It's a trigger, right? So something that you otherwise might not have bought when the allure of the deal is apparent and you can get a good deal on it, you can save some money on it, you're likely to buy it. Yeah. Is that, is that right? Yeah, good stuff. Okay. Right. A+. <laughs> see how it feels to be put on the spot? There we go. Well, the, the thing is, like, we've never really talked about this explicitly, but I have this huge conflict here because I'm a marketer. I don't know if people know that. <laughs> it's on my Twitter bio. I call myself a marketing consultant. Which is why it's perfect for you to be here to like let us in on the secrets. Yeah, absolutely. And to be honest, there's there's a big conversation within the marketing space about this, right? And um, the more ethical marketers will only sell stuff that actually helps people. Right, and I and I consider myself to be one of them. I mean, I I work mostly in the B two B space, right? So most of our listeners would not. What be, does that mean? Um, business to business. So I help other businesses sell to other businesses. Right. Um, so most of our listeners won't be prey to the kind of marketing that I do, unless you're <laughs> listening to Riskwise. Um, but but no, I mean that, that's a big conversation, right? Is is don't sell stuff that doesn't help people. That's that's really rule rule number one of ethical marketing, is sell stuff that benefits people. If you're not benefiting people, don't waste your time and theirs selling stuff that nobody needs. Yeah, but the vast majority of marketing that we would see as consumers is probably stuff that we don't care about and didn't know it, we didn't care that it existed until we saw it. It's the stuff that big brands are pushing to, you know, fill their coffers basically. Yeah, and uh, if I can pick on Apple. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm not going to take it personally. No, no protesting. Okay. <laughs> I don't buy everything that they make. I just most of it. <laughs> I, are you sure? Because I'm pretty sure. Anyways. No, um, I don't have the iPad Pro. And you don't um, have the I, Apple Watch. And, no, I'm not going to get the Apple Watch. I don't yeah. need wearables. But uh, I don't have the iPad Pro, and my wife is actively restraining me. Oh, all right. Good stuff. So, so um, if you go on, I, I was on, um, did I tell you that I was actually looking at an iPhone the other day? 
You did, and I thought I'd bring it up on the show. <laughs> um, anyway, long story short, I, I was looking at uh, a phone. My wife's phone is dying, and uh, looking at the obviously the way that I shop for technologies, I look at uh, technical spec- specifications. We talked about this yesterday, and the tech specs for an Apple iPhone were just blowing a whole bunch of other phones off the chart. So I actually went to the website to look at Apple and how much the phones cost, and. What I thought was interesting was the marketing for the iPhone 6 or 6S or whatever it is out now was it, it, it didn't seem like it was talking to me. It seemed like it was talking to somebody who already had an iPhone and trying to convince them to upgrade. I can't remember the language exactly, but it was something like this has everything that you need and that you want that you, you know that you need to upgrade for whatever reason. They were attempting to convince people who didn't need a phone because they already had one. They probably already had an Apple iPhone too. To go ahead and spend another $1000 on a different phone just because just oh, because now they're, we need now they're this. pushing their membership program, right? So you you're, you're going to see that. They have a like, membership oh, program? Oh, you don't know this. Oh okay, no. Sorry, sidebar from the episode. Please take a break, folks. Um, Apple has a membership program. It's no. I mean, from a marketing perspective, it's absolutely brilliant. Um, from your consumer perspective, you should be very scared. Uh, what they have is a membership program where you pay a monthly membership fee, and you can upgrade your phone every year. No, well, actually, that's kind of like phone subsidies that you pay through your um, phone plan, anyway. So, I mean, it ends up being if you if you want to upgrade your phone every single year, then it oh obviously God. ends up being cheaper. That's the value proposition, right? Just think about how many phones end up in the garbage now. How much more phones are going to end up in the garbage? And really, like, uh, like I, I'm, I, I love technology. Yeah. But do you really need a new phone every year? I mean, I, yeah. I actively, like, I would, I would avoid that membership program like the plague, because yeah. I don't want to be, I just don't want a new phone every year. I would love it. But I really don't think it's good for me. To I, have think, a new I think phone every year. I think you'd love it for like two days after you receive the new phone, and then the fact that you had a new phone would, would be completely imperceptible to you. Not just you, like everybody. Yeah, there's there's that for sure. And honestly, to me, I I really I'm really scared about the effects that mobile devices are having on the way that we live our lives like Mm-mm. as a whole. Right. So to me, like I, I'm totally okay with having, I don't have an old phone. I have an iPhone six, right? It's not an <laughs> old phone, but like I'm okay with not having the latest phone that I'm obsessed with because I don't want to be obsessed with my phone. I want to be like actually like talking to people and like living life. Right. Which right. I already don't do very well. And I wouldn't, and I wouldn't be any better at it if I had the latest gadget every single time. Yeah, very true. Anyhow, what were we talking about? What's this show about? Prompting the prompting that happens um, by corporations to get us to buy stuff. Oh yeah. And so the iPhone launch is a good example. Like once a year, it's like, uh, you know, it's a, it's like yeah. hudge for some people, right? They just camp out, <laughs> they camp out in front of the Apple store. Like they wear their ihram of sweatpants, <laughs> sweatpants and a star Wars t-shirt. Oh man. You're on a roll today. And they're like intense, like Mina and I'll stop there. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's really crazy, right? Some people are really, really into it. Like the fact that you'll line up for hours to get first dibs on a phone. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to judge, but clearly I am. Yeah, and the, the new features that are, especially now nowadays, the features that are being rolled out on phones, and I don't know why we're picking on phones, but the, the new features that are being rolled out on phones specifically, like did anybody want them? Like did were they things that we needed beforehand, before we were told that they were going to come onto the phone? And we're like, oh yeah, 
I've been wanting that on a phone forever. Finally, it's here. Or is it just, okay, the screen can depress into the phone and I can click the screen. Cool. Well, like, it's, did, I, did I need that before I was told it was going to happen? And has that now driven me to want to buy it? When I wouldn't, like, I never would have thought of that before. What did, what did Steve Jobs famously say? Oh, he, I think he said many famous well, a lot things. Of things. Yeah, <laughs> one of the things, and I'm paraphrasing, is never ask customers what they want because they don't know what they want, right? Mm. And that's that's been when we talk about Apple. That's been the key to their success from day one. Nobody nobody knew they wanted an iPod. They right. even knew what an iPod was. They couldn't even oh, yeah. conceptualize it, right? They invented that technology for sure, yeah. Well, nobody, not really. Nobody knew, well, no, not, that's true. Not really, right? But they didn't ask people what they wanted in um, a, you know, a mobile storage device of music. They just built it and then convinced people that they wanted it. But it re- that required some intuition, obviously. They had good intuition as to the problems and the desires of the audience, and they built something that, that, it, that achieved, that solved those problems. Yeah. Nobody knew they wanted a phone with, its, with a screen and a bunch of apps on it. Right. Nobody asked for that. Oh, can you build this phone that I can touch? <laughs> no one asked for it, but they built it because they knew that that would solve a problem for people and people would want to use it, right? And then they and then they marketed it to them. So that's that's been their 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 track record and it's 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 all in the marketing, right? They convince us that we need it. Yeah. And I I want everybody like if you're listening right now, just take a second to to absorb that that if you believe that you're the kind of person that's not susceptible to marketing, like I'm sorry, but you're, you're, you're fooling yourself. So much of the stuff that you buy every day, we are being manipulated into buying it. And me included, like I'm, 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 you know, the, um, my ears are the closest to these words and I'm reminding myself before I remind you that we are not so in control of our behavior as we think. There are very brilliant marketers and psychologists who understand how you think better than you do, who really dissect the buying process of what you do, not just what the average person does. You know, big part of marketing is figuring out your your persp- your ideal consumer and how does that person buy. For example, me, the way I would buy a phone would be very, very technologically heavy, whereas other people may look at it and how it looks and feels and you know, you know whether it's attractive as a phone. And, and there could be two different ways of buying a phone, and they would have all of that mapped out, right? Me, the the tech spec person. They maxed out on the tech specs, right? Apple's, you know, the the, the certain specifications and benchmarks um, that matter to tech people like me, they made sure that they were going to flourish on those tech spec specifications. But then they also made the phone pretty. And then they also made it easy to use. And they also did this and they also did that because everybody buys a phone for a different reason. And we are just recognized that, you know, this idea of shopping, of buying something that we didn't need and didn't know existed until we were told that it existed is everywhere and drives so much consumption. I think that's a great point to close off on. I would I would also add to that that one of the things that I've really it's kind of changed my life that when I started studying marketing and consumer psychology and just the the how people buy things when you really mm-hmm. start to understand that it changes the 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 experience of shopping and buying things for you. Yes, because when, when you peek under, behind the curtain, right? When you peek behind the curtain and you and you start to understand the deep psychology at play here and how brands and marketers and companies try to convince you that you need things and convince you to buy things, then it, it you know first of all it 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 makes you stop and think 
And I think that's really what we want to get out of this this whole episode and this whole discussion is just stop and think. So next time you hear that, you know, if Apple has a membership program to help you buy a new phone every year, what they want you to think is, hey, I can get a new phone every year. What's and it called? What's the membership program called? I'm not sure. Uh, I'm sure I, it's something like I tried super... to read as little of it as possible because I knew it would convince me. <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, that's and that's really part of it. Right. You got to like you got to protect yourself because, like you said, there's smart people out there to get a piece of your wallet and they understand consumer psychology better than you ever will. So you got to protect yourself. Like if you know yeah. you're like, if you've got a shopping problem, don't go to the mall. Just don't go. Like if you right. know you're going to buy something, then don't go. Yeah, and that's kind of where I wanted to close. The triggers that we each have in shopping, what what triggers us to go shopping is different for everybody. It could be an email that you get from your uh, from a, a brand who has your email address, in which case unsubscribe from all of that junk, right? Because that, what I want you to think about or what are you, the triggers that triggers you to, sh- to shop and spend money that you don't really, on something that you didn't know existed, what triggers that behavior? And analyze whether or not you still you need that in your life because probably you don't and therefore get rid of it. So it could be the emails. It could be uh, flyers because I, I don't know where you live, but, you know, for, for where I live every Thursday, flyers get dropped off. And in the flyers, yeah, it's deals, but they're deals on things that I probably wasn't going to buy. So therefore, I don't care because if I was going to buy it, I would go to the store and buy it and be like, oh, hey, it's on sale. Cool. I don't need the flyer to tell me that in advance. Right. The flyer is there to get you to buy something that you didn't need and maybe didn't know existed until that flyer came there to you. Um, what else is there, Ahmed? Emails, flyers, television, right? Uh, yeah, HGTV, right. Home and Garden Television, yeah. uh, very, very popular channel. Yeah, that's Consumption Network right there. Shopping Channel is another one. But Home and Garden Television where they you know renovate people's homes and the people – like obviously part of the show is to highlight the brands like if, whether it's Sears or Kenmore or whatever it is. That the, the the brands of the stuff that's going in people's homes uh, and saying, yeah, this is what we're having here. Oh, look how pretty it is. So shouldn't you go out and buy that too is the implicit uh, communication there. What else? What other triggers are there? I'm not sure about triggers, but I think a, an important action item is to increase the friction of buying. What do you mean? So make buying stuff more complicated. So if you've got on Amazon, if you've got one click – Amazon setup, one-click purchase, disable that because it just makes it too easy, right? Right. Um, so undo what they're trying to do. They're trying to make spending easy. You make it more difficult just to undo what they're doing. Yeah. If okay. you find that the tap on your credit card is just a really simple way to pay and you end up spending more money that way, which you do, whether you care to admit it or not, then, show it. then take out some cash and keep your credit cards at home because that's friction and spending cash is a little bit more painful than tapping your credit card. Absolutely. So whatever, whatever it is, whatever your trigger is, whatever your... Your, you know, your guilty pleasure is increase the friction, make it more complicated to make that purchase and you'll likely make it less. Inshallah. Sounds good, Saeed. Anything else? No, I think uh, we've kind of beat shopping to uh, dead. We beat this dead horse. So next time we have the opposite end of the consumption cycle. Should we preview it? What to do with all the crap that you bought. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now that you bought it all, what do we do with it? So stay tuned. Awesome. And please do pay us a visit at riskwise.com, R-I-Z-Q-W-I-S-E.com. Hop on our email list there and join us on iTunes as well. We'd yeah, love the for emails, you to... 
the emails are really half the learning. They are uh, some the lessons that we speak about in the podcast are summarized in the emails. So they're searchable. If you want to go back and find something, it's really difficult to do that if, uh, on your podcasting app, but it's a lot easier if you have it in the email inbox. And so please, go do, ahead and do that. please do find us on iTunes by searching for RiskWise and then subscribing and leaving us a rating and a review there. And we would also be Stitcher forever grateful. Also yeah. Stitcher. If you're, if you're not on the Apple membership program yet and you're still <laughs> suffering through life, um, the hypocrisy in with, the end of our episode. And the thing is, but the thing is I, I've actually had an Android device. Yeah. And uh, so I can, I can actually speak with authority, whereas you have none. I have an iPad. Unfortunately, it was gifted to me, but I have one and I hate it. So I have some authority too there too. All right. Well, that's for another day. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> Assalamualaikum. Assalamualaikum.